0: The
1: Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. Those of you who've been following the news have probably heard by now that last week, on Friday specifically, the US Congress passed and President Trump signed a bill that provides relief around the coronavirus pandemic. So, this bill, there has been a lot of debate around this bill, what goes into it, what's the right way to respond, how big it should be. And a lot of that discussion, as we mentioned in our last episode, has been around cash. And so we thought we would take this episode to really dive in and talk about what's actually in the bill and how we feel about it.
0: So the the biggest part, the part that has gotten the most headlines of this are cash payments, $1,200 per adult, $500 per child. Um, Those numbers are true if you make up to $75,000 as an individual or $150,000 as a couple. Uh, They go to everyone with a social security number, so not undocumented uh, immigrants, but uh, if you are a legal permanent resident of this country, you still get the the cash payments, and um, and this is a otherwise unconditional and uh, it's a one time thing, so not ongoing. Ah, uh, but yeah, direct cash to every every person in the country who who's here legally.
1: So this is the piece of the legislation that has really gotten the most focus from the UBI community because this is the area that from a while back we were pretty confident that cash was going to be part of this legislation. The question was, what does it look like? The big questions, as we discussed in our last episode, was how universal is it and is it ongoing as opposed to just one time? And the, what ended up happening did not really go in the direction that I, that I think those of us who support UBI were hoping. Uh, it does have this, this phase out at the top, based on income. And that's based on income from 2018 or 2019. It depends on whether you filed your taxes already for this year or just last year, I mean. Right. But that means that if you earned a lot last year or the year before, but you're not earning that much this year, you may not get any money for the payment because you may actually get above that phase out level. And so that's not great because it means that some of the folks who could probably really use the support will not be getting it. The other piece that is unfortunate is that it is one-time, it's not ongoing. And obviously getting this one-time transfer is great and helpful, but we know that this virus is going to be sticking around for at least multiple months. And so expecting a one-time payment, particularly at the magnitude we're talking about, to actually give people enough support to get by isn't really realistic. And so, and obviously if if we... Are trying to hope for something that is as close to UBI as possible, that is another way in in which it doesn't resemble it. Yeah. And I think the the big
0: question now is how much of an appetite is there to to do this again um, or to to go bigger? Um, If you follow politics at all in America, you know that it takes tremendous momentum to do anything at all. And so, you know, and a a pandemic is the sort of thing that can provide that. Um, But you know it, it it could be that this thing kind of or that and any ongoing legislation could fall apart because things become partisan and it gets, you know intractable and then hard to get anything done. Um, but I think there is, I, I think, widespread acknowledgement that this is this is a bandaid on a gaping wound, and that yeah twelve hundred dollars might might help you through this next month, um though we should say that. That if, if you are set up with direct deposit with the IRS because you've paid your taxes that way or they paid you a refund that way, then you get it very quickly. If not, then they have to send you a check and that could take months. So people who are hurting right now and probably the the people who I'm sure it's disproportionately um, people who are, are more lower income, who need more help more quickly are disproportionately going to be the ones who get it more slowly, which you know, on one hand, shame on the federal government. On the other hand, we just haven't set up a system to to give out universal cash payments. And so we're, that's coming back to, to bite us right now. Um, you'd hope that uh, we would get on that, though it doesn't seem like that's that's happening anytime soon. Uh, the one thing I, I will say um, that, that was kind of a, a positive and, and something we actually mentioned in the last episode is that um, Cash shouldn't be seen as a panacea, and there is a lot more in this bill, and some of it will um, will help keep people afloat for at least a little longer. We're recording this on April 2nd. And uh, we just saw over 6 million people uh, make unemployment claims just in the last, I think in the last week, uh, which is stunning. It's, it's by far the um, a record. And so th- there's more in the bill that will hopefully um, help some of those people. So, so Jim, why don't you tell us a bit about the unemployment piece of this?
1: Yeah, so another piece that had not, and to some degree has not gotten as much attention, from the UBI community is what the bill did around unemployment. We generally think of unemployment as, as really a stopgap measure. If you lose your job, you get support for a little while that's at some lower level. basically. And while you're doing it, you have to be actively looking for work. It's very paternalistic. And so not something that we would typically put in the same bucket as, as something like UBI. But what the legislation did for unemployment during the pandemic is actually pretty interesting. So it, it made three big changes. The first is it increased the amount substantially. So typically employment is it's a percentage of, of your income up, up to a certain level. Generally, you're talking in order of somewhere between $150 to maybe like $800 a week total, depending on how much you were earning. This new bill adds on top of what you'd be getting anyway from the state, an extra $600 per week. And so because it's a fixed amount, this ends up drastically helping low-income folks more than wealthy people. Because if you were earning a lot and you're getting a wage replacement that's, that's some portion of, say, your $100,000 salary, an extra $600 a week, it still helps, but it's it's a, a portion. It's, it's smaller than you'd be getting otherwise. Whereas if you were earning less than, say, $20,000 a year, Your unemployment is actually going to be considerably higher than your income was. Now, it's important to note, this is a temporary thing. It's only for four months. And so this is not going to be something indefinite that folks would go on. But it's a substantial amount of money to to people, lower income people, who end up moving on to this because they lost their job. And that brings us to the next piece, which is who qualifies for it? Normally in unemployment, it's a pretty rigorous process to determine, are you actually eligible? Were you laid off in the right way? Have you been working the right way? And so on. With this bill, the requirements have been drastically relaxed. So that not only do you not have to show as much proof around what was going on uh, with what you were doing before, but it now counts as a valid reason to go on unemployment if you have lost work in any way in any connection to the pandemic. So if that's because your employer has had to make cutbacks, if that's because you need to stay home and take care care of a family member, if that's because uh, that there's, there's quarantine that's impacting your ability to do the work. So it's, it's very, very extensive who qualifies for that now. And on top of that, unemployment normally is just for ongoing salaried workers. It doesn't include folks like the unemployed, freelancers. All those folks are now included. So unemployment has basically become this much more universal thing for anyone who has had any sort of reduction in work. Whether complete or, or partial, just having your hours cut.
0: Yeah, it was really the the part about gig workers and freelancers when I was, was reading about this bill. And I was like, okay, they they get it. This isn't just a like, um, you know, uh, some bills you feel like are written to have a good headline written about them, and and some you know are are more thoughtful. Um, and that's that was when I was like, okay, the, there is some thought put into this. They are really trying to to help people in a in a substantial, meaningful way, and. Yeah. On one hand, I've sort of been of two minds of this this giant two trillion package here, and one is that this is a huge missed opportunity. We we you know this was our big shot at UBI, and not that that shot's done and gone, but you know that this would have been a chance to to get ongoing cash payments, and who knows if that's going to happen? It seems unlikely. On the other hand, um, uh, it, it it shows a, a lot of good thought put into this on some level. And it's hard to, to kind of redo society on the fly. And so a lot of what this bill is trying to do is just prop up what we already have. So, you know, provide people who are getting wages, some ongoing wages. And I think most of the rest of the bill is, um, small business loans and big business loans. And so a lot of those loans are forgivable where the government is not trying to, um, like, change how everything works. And, you know, the the climate activist side of me is like, you know, we're, our emissions are way down right now. Maybe we could try to keep some of that going. And the government's not trying to, to do that, especially not this government. So there's a lot that's kind of going on right now where it's like, yeah, obviously we don't, we, most of this we want to end very quickly, but some of this it would be nice if we could kind of incorporate into the rest of our lives. And that's not what this bill is trying to do. This bill is trying to, kind of provide a a scaffolding um, to make up for how so much of society's structure has, has dropped out so quickly. And I think it has been at least somewhat thoughtful in in that regard. Um, And, and so, yeah, and I think the, the unemployment part of that is maybe the, the, the best version of that. And, you know, I think the cash payments, you know, obviously you pointed out some, some clear flaws with them. At least it does include children, um, you know, and at least, it does include um, um, some of the immigrant population, uh, so it's it's not the worst. It, it could have been a lot worse, and you know, if we just keep doing these every couple months, like you know, I don't think we will, but but that that wouldn't be the worst thing, and maybe it would get the whole idea of cash payments more into the ether. I think your
1: point about this this really being a bridge and, and a way of, of keeping things the way they are is very accurate. Another thing that i I didn't mention earlier around the unemployment benefits is that typically, as I said, when you're on unemployment, you are required to actively demonstrate that you are searching for work, that you need to be sending in a certain number of resumes or or going through whatever sort of process to look for a new job in order to keep receiving payments. For this expansion, that has been waived. So you don't actually have to show any efforts to search for work, but that's only if you say, you have a reasonable expectation that once this is over, you can go back to your previous job. And so, as as you were saying, this whole idea of this is a way of kind of putting things on pause and then getting back to life as normal, that very much, I agree, seems to be the ETS here. And I think the, the big variable here is the pandemic
0: itself. I mean, if society can reopen in a couple months, then, okay, we can kind of fudge it and we'll probably still be in a big recession. But you know, maybe we'll we'll kind of handle that as its own thing. If this is something that is six months to a year and a half, where like things are really not operating normally or really at all in a lot of cases, then um, then then this is just going to be the the like opening chapter to really who knows what. Um, so I think if this is a first step, um, it's not the worst first step. Hopefully. A lot of the the principles, uh, there are a lot of good principles I think in this bill as a one time thing. That if you kept a lot of these going, not every single thing, but you know the the cash payments, the unemployment insurance, some of the small business loans, um, I think if those were essentially ongoing, at least through the length of the pandemic um i would see that as a positive if it's like okay we did this thing and now we're just going to like start from scratch and figure out something new in two months because uh oh the pandemic's still going and we don't know when it's going to end um then i don't know i guess we'll we'll see you'll we'll, you'll hear about it from us um when when that happens but um but yeah i think at this point the pandemic becomes obviously the big x factor
1: and that i think brings us to our our final point which is you had alluded to this earlier But there are already efforts underway to pass another bill, the so-called phase four, which is going to be an additional stimulus of some form. So this, it really could be another bite at the apple as far as pushing for something resembling a UBI, Uh, I think particularly ongoing cash transfers. Right now, the discussion has generally focused more on infrastructure. That's what Trump has said he wants to focus on. But my sense is we're still very very early on, as far as figuring that out, and so yeah, I mean there there may be still another chance to to do something that is more forward looking, more long lasting than what we have so far. Yeah, and you
0: know I'm wondering if even in
1: these times
0: the federal government probably will not have the appetite for a full basic income, the the you know like uh, what Bernie Sanders and Maxine Waters have, have been proposing. Um, but you know I'm still very naively hopeful that we could maybe get, you know, small cash payments. You know, sort of like everyone gets on unemployment insurance. I guess unemployment insurance would be way more, but like you know, hundreds of dollars a a month per person would be, a, you know, it keeps the balloon in the air for for some number of people. Um, yeah, I'm I'm no longer hopeful for ongoing cash payments in you know in the four digits, but part of me still is holding out for three digits. Um, but yeah, we shall see. It does seem like jobs are is going to be the the major focus now uh those are you know not exactly easy to to stand up in with within a few weeks or even a couple months but
1: um we'll see but it seems like the momentum right now is on a major jobs program yeah i think that's right but as you said earlier if even small universal cash payments that that could be a really big push uh, that could move us in the direction of setting up the infrastructure to to handle stuff like this. So I think that those those who really support a full UBI, if discussion does be, come around, something like that, I, I would say that that would still be huge if, if we manage to get that through. I don't see any evidence of that as of yet, but a lot could still change. So let's see what we can do. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Basic Income
0: Podcast. And also a programming announcement: uh, we are going to move away from a weekly schedule. We are, um, you know, we will re- record when when the moment strikes, when we get new legislation like this, or, or whenever the situation calls for it. Um, but don't expect us in your your feeds every single week. But please stay subscribed because we do plan to uh, to keep this show on the road. Um, and thank you to our producer, Eric Davidson, please rate us and review us on the podcast service of your choice and we'll see you next time.